0: Hi, this is Tim. This is just a heads up that all the advice you're hearing in this podcast is general in nature. If you want something more specific, then feel free to contact us. Drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk, drunk,
1: drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk, account, drunk, drunk, account, drunk, drunk, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk, and drunk a cat, and drunk okay, okay, drunk, drunk, drunk accountant.
0: <sighs> Hello and welcome to the podcast. Welcome. My name's Tim. My name's Dan. And we are the two drunk accountants. We are. We it should are. Should be Tim. some cool, like, explosion sound effect or something like that. <laughs> after we <say> that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Tim, we are a couple of days late in this episode. We are. Apologies. 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 But the other side of this is we've actually only got two. Interviews, including today's, left oh, from Zerocon. No. Two. <sighs> Does this mean we have to go start creating our own content again? <laughs> we have to come up with things to say from next <laughs> week onwards, Tim. That's disappointing. But we're actually thinking about, um, we're not sure whether or not this will happen straight away or, or soon, but well. continuing on with our two episodes a week idea that we've been running with, with Monday being a short little interview with an app or a software in the marketplace. Uh, and Friday being the traditional full-length episode that you've all come to know and love. Um, but perhaps a bit shorter than than the older hour-longs. They might only be 40 minutes long with a 10 to 15-minute episode on yeah. Monday. Yeah, let us know. Send us a message if you think that's something you'd be up for. Yeah. But uh, I think that's what we're going to run with if we can... Arrange a few um, shorter interviews with people. Yeah. Uh, we'll be posting them yeah, well, in the same week as a normal episode. Send through any of the um, apps or softwares or things out there in the in the world that you'd want to hear from and hear a little bit more about or um, know a bit more about. Just send them through as suggestions and we'll try and get in touch with them. Yep. Mm, cool, Tim. All right. What, what is, is the, the Tim, Tim and Dan Lord? Lord? Tim, how's your week? That's good. My week was pretty good last week. Very quiet because mm. you were sick. Yeah, Tim, as we all know on the podcast, <laughs> this, is, this is a recurring theme here that <laughs> I start a little bit nasally because I've been sick, uh, I've had time off, um, mm. my immunity is crap, we get it. Ha ha ha. <laughs> no, I went uh, down hard again, Tim, last week. Gendous, this is the uh, third time this year. Yeah, third time. He just finished spraying his office with Glen Twenty. Yeah, the return spray. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that's you get, a weirdo. You get back to the office, and you got to just quickly disinfect, make sure you're not going to get uh, re-reinfected. Yes, reinfected, reinfected. The sickness. Exactly, the sickness. Not the sickness. Well, I was sick right before we went to. <laughs> so it probably seems like it was. Oh, fairly recent that that i was sick tim because we recorded a bunch of episodes when i was sick Mm. and released them over time before we went to new zealand yeah so there was probably like a good month where people heard me being Mm. sick and then like a month where i'm not and now sick again (laughs) but really in between that was probably like three months (laughs) Uh, i don't know dan i feel like i feel like it's probably an accurate depiction of uh, of where you're at. No, this one did come out of nowhere and it, you were playing Dungeons and Dragons. You're up late one night, probably a little bit later than you should have been, mm. is it fair to say? And it just, mm. you know, just knocked you over like a 10-pin bowling ball. I think what really got me is, is there was that. Followed up by um Monday morning workout. Yeah. I was surprised. Yeah. You did a workout as well. well and I did pretty well in the workout. I was yeah, keeping was up. Fine. I yeah. was running. Um by that night I was down. Mm. I was down. Oh well. It happens. Good times. Good times. I'm better now. and well, I'm not, but I'm like mostly better. Yeah. Um and back at work, back on the podcast. Excited for our well interview done. today with Peter Baines. Yeah. Um, our second last interview from XeroCon. So yeah. Peter was a keynote speaker. Yeah, at ZiraCon and uh, he's done all sorts of things. doesn't he, Tim? Oh yeah. So on my list here of my introduction for Peter, global speaker, charity founder, board director, and business consultant. Yeah, and that's only what he does right now. <laughs> yeah. So Before then, he was uh, worked in the police force in, uh, in the investigations. He he was helped with uh, disaster, disaster recovery, disaster team recovery after teams after two thousand four tsunami. Yeah, in Thailand. All sorts of um, all sorts of. He wrote the book, Doing Good by Doing Good, mm-hmm. which is a large part of what we were, I guess, discussing with him mm-hmm. in our chat. Yeah, um, definitely. About, it's something we're interested in. Yeah, it's sort of that corporate social responsibility idea mm. of companies um, doing the right thing mm. by whatever it may be, the community, the environment, mm. um, and but also making a profit. Whilst, whilst doing that, yeah, and it, it's or by doing it, it it's all around this this mind frame of of moving your corporate social responsibility away from being a cost to a profit center, like so a it's, strategic part of your business, exactly, and which is a really great way to think about it. It's pretty and cool. yeah, we'll, we'll obviously speak more to Peter about that. Um, but Tim, uh, business update time. I've got a yeah, quick one here for you. Away. It's Something I read on the ABC website this morning. Uh, is that Treasurer Josh Frydenberg, mm. back in black Fry. himself, yeah. um, has asked the competition watchdog to investigate the banking sector over its refusal to pass on interest rate cuts to customers in full. I mean, this is concerning. This is a big concern yeah. because, um, the comp- I guess, competitively, banks should really be starting to leverage those low interest rates. We're at what, Mm -hmm. 0.75? Maybe 0.5? I think they... It's 0.75. 0.75? So, um, I've seen rates below 3. Yeah. But, yeah, it's... Banks, um, they have a large say in what people are paying on their their mortgage rates and things Mm -hmm. like that. And so, that flows through into the economy Mm -hmm. as well. And so, you're getting a bit of back and forth here. Like um, the commissioner of the Reserve Bank mm. came out and said, well, the government, you know, we're, we're doing our part, but the government needs to stimulate the economy. Yeah, which I, I wonder if this is a response to. <laughs> I think it might yeah. be. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. because now now you've got Fry coming out and saying, um, well, we're going to have a look into the banks mm. and and see if why they're not passing on these interest rate cuts mm. because essentially that should be savings every australian with a, a mortgage who's not fixed essentially stimulus yeah it should be a little stimulus package yeah for people hmm. they're like oh i've got more kitty left in the bank at the end of the week yeah oh, i'm gonna go out to dinner because i think the you're going see a movie the, the the criticism um that the reserve bank has thrown over to the government is that hey we're doing our bit we're cutting interest rates we're trying to stimulate the economy um, you guys seem to be more worried about a surplus and not stimulating things, yeah. Um, which is a fair comment, I guess. Um, yeah, you know, I'm not going to dive into the the politics of it all, but uh, so I, I I'd assume this is the government trying to show that hey, we're doing we're doing something Maybe. about this, um, or at least yeah. Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, that's an interesting one. Good one, Dan. Mm. We'll see what happens there. We'll, we'll track that along. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the other one we've got is the small business energy check which um was a zerocon announcement um essentially it's a really cool tool it's it's free to use and it's using big data mm-hmm. so it's it's anonymized mm-hmm I believe is the word, which mm. isn't a real word, Dan. A- aggregated. <laughs> aggregated, anonymized. Mm. Anonymized isn't a real word. It didn't, no. it didn't stack up in my Microsoft Word. Or no. I posted it on LinkedIn. <laughs> 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 it was telling me that I misspelled it. And I checked the article, which I was pulling that wrong. and like, no, no, it's spelled like that. It could be that LinkedIn was trying to use the American spelling with a Z. That's true. Mm. Well, either way, um, it's big data and it comes yep. from zero. So, mm. it's actually using... Is that where it actually comes from? Yeah. Right. So, it was the small... Uh, it was the government yeah. and zero working, working together. together. Mm. And the government invested like $12 million into mm. building this thing. Mm. And essentially what it does is it compares information from the industry in your area mm. or around your area mm. to see if you're spending more or less than the average electricity spend. That's quite fascinating. Yeah. Mm. So, um, so yeah, check it out. It's it's online. Mm. Um, just type in Google Small Business Energy Check, mm. and uh, you'll be able to type in some of your figures and just mm. see it'll spit back a reading as to whether or not you should go negotiate a better deal. Now it doesn't necessarily say who you should go see to no, do that, but it's saying there is better ones out there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I guess it's trying to keep keep the uh, energy companies honest. I like that. That's a good initiative. It's a, a good way and to use free. the data that's out there to um, get some savings. I think it's just a start of what we're going to see from big data. Mm. Yep, definitely. Uh, Tim, do you have a tight tip this week? Uh, I do, actually. This one came from a client, would you believe it or not? A client? Yeah. Um, they didn't actually... Um, it wasn't because I was telling them mm. about the podcast or anything. Yeah, they weren't like, um, "Hey Tim, this is this is for thrifty business." Yeah, no, no, not at all. No, they weren't. They didn't reference. By the way, that's the alternative name for your <laughs> segment from now <that> on. <laughs> thrifty business. Thrifty business. I don't, I don't mind it. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. Okay. Um, followers of tardarism are open to thrifty business. It's okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so this is a good one, mm. it, and it is called lock in fuel prices. Lock in fuel prices. Yes. Yes. So, there is a fuel company, 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven. Which apparently don't even advertise this app anymore. But they have an app Mm -hmm. where you can get the app on your phone. Mm -hmm. And wherever you are geographically, Mm -hmm. it'll show you within 15 kilometers all the 7-Elevens and what their fuel prices are. Mm -hmm. And it'll obviously show you the cheapest one. Yep. And then what you can do, is lock that in for the next seven days. So, you're actually like pre-purchasing fuel, I suppose, Mm. because sometime in the next seven days, you've got to go and actually um, action that. Mm. But um, it locks in a price and then you can use that at any 7-Eleven. So, here's how it might work, right? Yep. So, we might be in Sydney. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, where are fuel prices? Are they generally cheaper in Sydney? I think they are. I thought they're more expensive in Sydney. Well, yeah, right. Okay, so let's say they're more expensive in Sydney mm. and we just happen to be on the Central Coast yep. for a weekend. Mm-hmm. Well, you would go to your 7-Eleven app mm-hmm. and it, maybe it's not even a weekend. Maybe it's a Wednesday because yep. f- fuel is generally cheaper during the week. Mm-hmm. Lock in that price mm-hmm. on the Central Coast. Let's go say home to your local It's It's $1.40. Exactly. You might have still three quarters of a tank. Yeah, it's $1.40 so do- for, for 50 The 98. Yeah, the, the 98. Yeah, premium b- petrol. Bargain. Yeah, you'd be like, I'm locking that bad boy in. Mm. And then um, when you need fuel next within the next seven days, mm. it gives you a coupon. Mm-hmm. You simply walk into the store at a 7-Eleven, mm-hmm. scan that coupon and you get that price that you locked in, which amazing! the client told me once saved him 20 cents per liter. How hectic is that? That is awesome. If you're getting 70 liters, what's that, Dan? 20 cents Ooh, that's- 14 bucks Yeah, exactly Wow mm-hmm. Hard-hitting tight-ass tips Coming at you People That's probably the biggest savings Of any one single tight-ass tip For single use Look at this, Dan We're our own stimulus package <laughs> This podcast is a freaking <laughs> Stimulus package it is. coming. Come at us. Coming fly. up with the goods. Yeah. yeah right. We're going to win a Nobel Peace Prize. There should be... There should Nobel be a, tight-ass prize. Yeah, there should be a tight-ass mm-hmm. prize, a globally recognized one. You know what? We and should... the winner gets like discount coupons. <laughs> yeah, I just thought of this. We should start the Two Drunk Accountants Thrifty Awards, mm. tight-ass awards. I'd love that. All right. And people write in with their tight us And oh. maybe once every off, so often, we we hand out a prize, which is just respect, basically, like naming. Well, I mean, if it gets big enough, there may be a trophy. Who knows? It could be a trophy um, that stays here. We and still do owe a few people shirts well, as well. We do owe a few people shirts. They're coming. They're coming. All right. How about this? If you write in with a tight ass tip and we use it, we might give you a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> if we can get to the post office and arrange it. Yeah, sounds good. And there are shirts left. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually wearing the shirt today. Yeah, it looks good, Dan. Yeah, thank you. Well done. Mm, thank you. All right. So... That probably brings us to the end of our tight ass tips. Yep. Let's get into our main topic. Main topic, as we said, it's our chat with Peter live from XeroCon. It's just before he went up and yeah. did his yeah. uh, keynote speech, because um, yep. I think we mentioned in there that we're going to go, he's going to go do that. Yep. Um, but yeah, it was a great chat. It really uh, made me think about the way we consider our impact on the greater environment um, community around us Yeah. Um, and how we can use what we might want to do to create value in our products. Mm. Um, and also made me really aware of trying to find the products that I feel like are doing that. Definitely, that's mm. yeah, cool. So yeah, really, I really, like um, really fascinating chat. Definitely made my wheels start turning mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> I hope you all enjoy it as well. See you, you after that. Hello and welcome to the Two Drunk Accountants. I'm Tim. And I'm Dan. And we're here with Peter Baines, uh, who is a global speaker, a charity founder, Board director and business consultant, <laughs> Peter. <laughs> Welcome. Wow. Thanks, boys. Good to yeah, be here. Yeah. Uh, thanks for coming. Uh, Pleasure. We're really looking forward to speaking to you. Um, we we were looking at what you've been involved with um, over your journey. Yeah. And uh, there's some pretty pretty hectic things in there. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely.
2: Um, so maybe let's start with that. Um, you used to be a police officer. Yeah, I joined the cops um, pretty much straight out of school. Went to yeah, uni for yeah. a little while and realised I wasn't uh, that wasn't the right thing for me, okay, and uh, yep. bailed out pretty quick and uh, joined the joined the police and. Worked in uniform, yep. w- worked in um, uh, the western suburbs of Sydney, Cabramatta, and okay. which was really busy back in the yeah. early 80s when I joined, or okay. mid-80s, and then uh, quickly found myself in the forensic area, mm. oh. and, uh, um, and that was where my career ended up. I spent uh, 22 years with the police, and most of yeah, it right. in the forensic area, and spent 10 years in regional New South Wales, uh, in Tamworth, investigating scenes of... Uh, major crime and suicides mm. and wow. homicides and death and so forth and mm. and then moved back to uh, Sydney in 2002 uh, got an inspector's job still within the forensic area mm. and uh, and that was when I guess things uh, changed uh, it took a, a different turn I ended up working in Bali after the bombings yeah, yeah. the work that uh, all the Australians did there uh, kind of set us up that if something else happened in Southeast Asia uh, we would be looked upon to support yeah, okay, and, that, yeah. and that's then exactly what happened after the tsunami of 2004 mm, yeah. Yeah. headed back to Thailand and yeah. or headed to Thailand and uh, spent most of 2005 either in Thailand or uh, deploying teams to go to Thailand yeah. mm-hmm. and that finished up and then I spent the last two years uh, working on an international counterterrorism project I worked uh, uh, with Leon, in uh, worked in Leon with uh, Interpol, yeah, wow. and basically writing a, uh, uh, a classified paper on uh, counterterrorism. Wow! Then they asked me to. Uh, I then got uh, the A comment was extended, and I worked with the UN Office of Drug and Crime mm-hmm. uh, throughout Southeast Asia in a capacity-building role around leadership and counterterrorism. Wow. Then at the end of that, I'd been <laughs> gone for two years, and uh, New South Wales Police had been paying my uh, salary, but I hadn't been there, <laughs> and uh, they got a bit funny about that, and they said, "You got to come back." And um, I went back, and they said, "Where do you want to go?" And yeah. by that stage, I'd uh, I'd well and truly started the charity, yeah. and I asked for twelve months' leave without pay because I wanted to focus on the charity. Yeah. And they Which They it's uh, hands hands, hands across w- the water. Hands across the water. Yeah. Yeah. And. You know, they, they said they wouldn't support uh, my application for leave, uh, so I resigned. And yep. ever since then, I've uh, been trying to make a living. Okay, <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, when I listen to that, it sounds like there's sort of 20 years there,
0: and then all of a sudden it just goes, bang. And you're just almost thrown in the deep end with all of these crazy... I wouldn't say amazing, but just mind-boggling experiences um where you've had to you've learned so much about leadership teams um but first of all um how uh, one of the things i wanted to ask you was how do you keep level-headed and um i suppose
2: not let all of the um crazy things you're experiencing get to you yeah yeah no it's a cool question and um You know, part of it's uh, focusing on what you're there to do, and uh, and and also, like I worked in Bali, uh, uh, Thailand, Japan, Saudi Arabia, all after crisis or disaster, and yeah. And it's not like you're stepping in and never seeing death before. Yeah. It's just that it's on a level that we've never seen before, and uh, you know, it's focusing on the job that you've got to do. And yeah, uh, um, yeah. so it's yeah. you know it, I, I think back, and people who haven't been exposed like that, yeah, you know, that's kind of crazy. But at the time, it's just your job. Yeah, yeah. You know, it doesn't yeah. feel that crazy. Yeah. It, we always felt every time I've been invited to to work internationally, uh, I felt honored to be asked to do that yeah sure but you know you've never sat back and gone geez is this something that you're capable of doing yeah yeah. you're just so keen to get involved yeah Yeah, that's amazing i mean it
0: says something about your mindset as well um that that's the way you approach it um i wouldn't say everyone would approach things that way so that's a learning in itself for listeners in terms of thinking about the outcome and the job that just needs to be done yeah um do you have any tips for keeping focus in that area? Or yeah, look, is it I something you're just personally good yeah, at? Yeah, I
2: think it's um, uh, as a business and yeah. as an individual, it's really important to, to understand what your clarity of purpose is. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. and, uh, and in business, uh, you know, when, it's bec- when it's most important is when our resolve is tested. Yeah. Mm. And that might be through you know, tough times and whether you're running a small Small business, or not it's not all, and anyone that's involved in small business, you know, it's tough. Oh, yeah. uh, absolutely, you know, yeah. and uh, and so therefore, I think it's even more important to mm-hmm. understand why you do what you do, and and it, it's so fr- it's so important when your resolve is tested, either as an individual or as a business. And you know, you look at the um, uh, some of the outcomes out of the Royal Commission into the banking industry. Yeah, and 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 the the recommendations or the, the observations out of the RC are not that their statement of values were wrong or mm. their vision statement was wrong. It was yep. a lack of congruence between yeah. those that were acting inappropriately yep. and what the bank was about. So mm. I think as a small business, as an individual, if we're really clear what those non-negotiables are, what the most important thing is, True. whether it we're faced with unprecedented growth whether yep. there's a change in the economy, yep. whether there's you know, a recession just around the corner, yeah. um, we've got to understand so we can make those difficult decisions. So you can
0: respond to it and stay true to your
2: purpose. Yeah, absolutely. Have you always had a clear um, idea of your purpose? Uh, I think it's... was um, it something that evolves? Yeah, look, I, I think it does change. And uh, for me, when I look back on the work I did within the police, I would say that... Why I did what I did was to provide answers. Yeah, And I look at that and I say, okay. uh, my role investigating a homicide or a suicide, I was providing answers either to the family, uh, to the, the judicial process, to a, a coroner's inquest or so forth. But fundamentally, I was there to provide answers. Yeah. And I look at even what we do now with uh, uh, the work I do with the international NGO that I established, mm. it, we're still providing answers, yeah, but the yeah. questions are different. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, true. It's what's
1: fascinated me about this era, in particular. Is a lot of the people that we've spoken to have like uh, we spoke to Roz Harvey a little bit earlier, and, and she uses big data um, instead of using it for uh, in the way Facebook or some of these people use it. Uh, they're using it to solve real world problems, and that they're taking that knowledge that they've learned in these areas and applying it to a, a cause that that particularly um, can help a lot of people. A
0: socially responsible cause. A socially
1: responsible cause. Um, and so it's kind of similar with your story. You've taken all this experience that mm-hmm. you had um, providing answers in, in a particular area and now you're applying that to your, uh, to your charity. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to get a bit more information about that. Like, a, yeah. a, How have you taken your lessons that you've learnt through all of these um, amazing, and uh, well not amazing, but unique
2: situations yeah. and then applied it to, to provide a bigger framework for this yeah support. I think there's been um, there was probably an evolution in the learnings for me and yeah. uh, you know starting something like uh, uh, the charity that I mm. did you know I met a group of kids who had all lost their parents lost their home mm. and I had no idea what I was going to do but yeah. I knew I had to, I should do something yeah. I couldn't change what had happened but it felt within my capacity to do something yeah. around what happened next so I set up the the charity and um you know i think clarity comes with action yeah right i had no idea what was before me and a lot of people who you know start yeah. a small business you have an no idea about what you want to do <laughs> yeah. but you know the journey from beginning to where you feel like you're succeeding it's a it's a the, a lot of it's unknown you just got to get started i suppose yeah absolutely you know it's that uh, the more you do the clearer you become and mm-hmm. and and so starting the charity it was um, it was kind of like just here's a need and i'll figure out uh, what to do mm. as we go, and then we grew and and I guess then it got to the point where we talk about sustainability and social social responsibility and so mm. forth was then looking at well what were the lessons that we could take from the establishing the charity and mm. and it really came back to what I do now and talking to to small business and and mm. and uh, other organizations about turning their support for community Mm. and uh, uh, corporate social responsibility into a profit centre back to the business because a lot of people will see and small business think well we're too small we can't do it and I Mm. go well it's a a limiting belief and but I also believe that if you've got corporate social responsibility, and some organisations will say they've got it, but you look at it and what it is, it's philanthropy. It's they carve yeah, off right. a portion of their net profit yes. and they say, we'll donate that. They say what yeah. they'll do is they uh, might match donations or they give staff some time off, but mm. that's not corporate social responsibility. Yeah. That, that, that's just philanthropy. Yeah, yeah true. Exactly. And when we do it differently, when there's a return that comes back to the business, to the people involved, yeah. They're more likely to be involved and more likely to stay involved and connected. And, yeah. and it's as a charity, uh, the head of a charity, it's in my interest for my supporters to benefit commercially out of that. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a real mindset within Australia where we go, oh, we don't want to benefit. We don't do it for that reason. Yeah. But it's a flawed concept yeah. because if it's a cost center to the business, uh, when the economy gets a bit tough, it's, it's the first thing to go. It's an indiscret mm. It's a discretionary spend, Absolutely. and it is. It's the first, and the second thing to go is learning and development. Mm. But if we can flip it, yeah, so that your your relationship, your CSR, is a profit center. Mm. Yeah, you know, you guys are accountants, and you go, that's what matters. Yeah. yeah, you know, to get the attention of the CFO, we need to show this is good for business, not just makes people feel good well, it's 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 yeah. something that
1: we've been tackling with a lot I and mean, we we sure. have literally in the recent few months have sat down and had long conversations about well what is a sustainable business when you're a small business what does yep. that mean well, what is uh corporate social responsibility at that level because as you mm. said we all see it at the the huge end of town yeah. you know they, they have to report on a lot of these things in their financial statements and we see that yeah but as you said you speak to a, a small business and they're like well that's that's not us, you know. We're, ha, ha, so what does that look like in reality to a small business? Yeah,
2: you know, I was on the phone last night having a, a, a conversation with someone who's who's in startup. Yeah. And I said to her, look, I've never, m- you know, my services in from a consulting point of view around mm. CSR are never at startup because you don't mm. have budget, you know, yeah. and yeah. it was just a, yeah. I ended up having a conversation with her and, and what I said to her is we can do things really differently ra- rather than her just, because sh- she came to me, it's a product that she's launching and, uh, mm-hmm. and it's cool. And she said, I want uh, the profits to go here. and I said, yeah, that's, that's really nice. But because of the profit margin, it's never going to make a big difference. Um, yeah. Dent until it's big, but I yeah. said, you know what? Rather than donate money as a a portion of the sale, what about including a QR code on the item that links into a story where you've got a video from the person nice. that that's benefiting, nice. and then they can invite, or we can invite the the person who's received or bought the product to make a donation of what they feel. Yeah. You know, give deliver value first. Yeah, you know, there's a and build it into the model, almost, build the... It doesn't have to be about, uh, CSR doesn't have to be about giving money. Yes. And, you know, th- there's a guy out of the US called Dan Platter and he talks, he says that people are sick of being asked to do the least that they can do. Yeah, yeah. You know, and mm. donating money, sure, it's it's an easy thing, yeah. but it doesn't engage the yeah. heart and soul. Yeah. and. Uh, uh, we need to find a way where there's a real benefit mm. because as a charity, if we're just receiving money, it's a bit like Oliver Twist, you know, we've yeah. got the handout saying, please can I have more? Mm. True. But if we can find a, a way where we're returning value and that's True. that's how Hands, the, the charity I started, has grown and, and mm. continues to grow year on year yeah. is that we see ourselves as a service provider yep. to our partners. Yep. and and. First and foremost, we look at how we can deliver value, what's missing, yeah. what have we got to create value back to our partners, yeah. and then they're engaged with us for that reason, mm. but you know what, we make more money out of them yeah. than we ever would have if we we're just seeking True. donations. Yeah, if you just had the handout and we're
0: depending on yeah, them for help. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's an amazing way of looking at it, really. Um, and yeah, I guess it's just thinking in each scenario, it's going to be quite different at the small business level. Yeah. Um, figuring out, well, it depends what your purpose is, depends what you want to achieve, but um, yeah I mean if it's a builder you could even be looking at building um, things for people or as an accountant I guess donating your time uh, and, yeah, no, and uh, trying to deliver better
1: results for mm, things I don't know I, I often think it comes back to other in, in my mind anyway you know this whole corporate social responsibility comes back to uh, how you deal with your employees and your customers what you're paying people what yeah. what they um, you know what your carbon footprint is all mm-hmm. those kind of things you know if a business, in my mind, is something that benefits not just the owner but the community, and it's the kind of that shareholder point of view mm. versus the uh, further stakeholder point of view. Um, and I look at it as more your effect on the greater community yeah. um, rather than just your bottom line. I mean, well, if it's
2: if it's not viewed as a as a, a business growth tool, Yeah. well then you're just looking through it through the wrong lens, Yeah. yeah. You know, and it'll never last. We built a program yeah. um, overseas uh, for a hotel within the Starwood Hotel Group. Yeah. And what we did was they had no budget to commit to a CSR program. Mm. Uh, the hotel was at 40% occupancy, which is pretty low. Yeah. Mm. And uh, we built a program that leveraged the expertise of the guests staying yeah, right. at the hotel. Oh. And what it did was it, um, Um, It ensured that there was uh, customer retention. Um, It brought brand differentiation and opened new markets, new customers, and Mm. uh, all of these measures, you know. And we know that millennials are sitting, uh, graduates and people like you guys, you know, that uh, graduating from uni, you go, where do I want to work? You know we know that they 're doing a digital interview of the organization before they apply, yeah, yeah, so if you 're sitting there as a firm and you 're going, "Well, we want to attract the best talent yeah. mm-hmm. into our organization you go well, if you haven 't got your digital um, your, your digital presence of CSR yeah. um, uh, sorted yeah. you 're not even going to see the best mm-hmm. talent because they 're not even going to come yeah. and apply because yeah. we know. Millennials want to work at a place where they can make a difference, where it's important to them, yeah. it's aligned to their values. Yeah. No good ho- hoping that you can attract them just through, you know, having a ping pong table in the office and paying good <laughs> yeah. salary. That yeah. sounds like us. Ping pong table. Not uh, the salary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that, um, that
1: really makes a lot of sense. And yeah. I suppose from from a profit point of view, I mean, if you're attracting the best staff, you're getting more out of them, you're getting more revenue. And therefore, uh, it's a it's that is the profit center then. You know, you're aligning your values with an employee who's there gonna then gonna perform better.
2: Yeah, well, we know the cost of having unproductive staff. Yeah, exactly. We know the cost of having disengaged staff. Yeah. We know the cost of replacing staff when they leave. Yeah. So if we can, and, and it speaks to the culture, you know, a CSR program alone is not going to attract and retain yeah. uh, just people who don't want to be there. Yeah. But geez, it goes towards speaking about the culture of the organization. Mm. And as a
0: numbers nerd, i really would love to see a report for a small business on their csr and how it's financially impacted
2: how it's socially impacted environmentally um i wonder if that's something that's within reach oh and i guarantee you that every business i work with under under measures their true contribution yeah and i'll sit there and i'll say to you you two guys will say, tell me about what you do for business and you'll go, oh, well I give this amount of money. Is that is that the true give? And you go, yeah, absolutely. And then you go, okay, well what about the administration of the program, your time? Yep. You know, you clearly charge yourself out at hundreds and hundreds of dollars an hour being accountants and yep. uh, we say, you know, well are you measuring that against when yep. you're committing yourself to CSR program and yeah, I, I've yeah, never yeah. sat with an organization and worked through this and gone you know you're reporting on this and that's the sum total yeah, yeah. we've always been able to find three four five times Definitely. what they say they give yeah. is the true measure of the yeah. give and yeah. you should be reporting on that Yeah, absolutely. you know you guys measure everything in business Yeah. but you know this whole CSR thing becomes a decision of the heart rather than the head mm. Mm. What wonder if there could ever be any government incentives behind CSR and, and oh well how about just business growth <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> business growth is they <laughs> were about the government incentivizing just business growth. Yeah, I was yeah. just
0: sticking my hand out again there, wasn't I? I'm just making myself dependent. <laughs> yeah. ah, yes, nah, so true, so true. Um, cool. I just wanted to also mention. Um,
2: so, can we find more information about this in in your book, Doing Good by Doing Good? As yeah, well? that's that was the second book, and that that really is the blueprint that uh, I wrote around how to turn CSR into a profit center. Yeah, and, cool. Um, and it goes then the full line like a lot of people uh, when we sit and talk with them it's about uh, how you create that but then there's also the opportunity to look at the entire supply chain and look at shared value and as as an organization you know if you're in the in the clothing um, industry for example uh, we can demonstrate you or you should be able to demonstrate because people want to know where the raw materials are coming from where they've been made what's the conditions of the people that are making the the product and track that all the way through so yeah, that definitely. you know look at the imprint that you're having um in what you do so yeah, yeah doing good by doing goods uh, uh captures everything i know about it yeah um, it's
0: something that i'm really keen to read
2: actually yeah, um, yeah definitely well jump online and buy yourself a copy yeah, <laughs> yeah we will <laughs> absolutely
1: so where that's a good point yeah peterbanes.com.au <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay yeah okay. perfect cool. nice yeah, that's cool. great well thanks cool. for coming and having a chat pleasure guys us. We, yeah. i really got a lot out of it and i appreciate yeah.
1: your time all the best, and uh, yeah, if anyone wants to find you, go to that website and uh, yeah, get reading. All right, thanks,
2: cool. guys. Thanks, thanks for that. Peter.
0: And we're back <laughs> from our chat with Peter. Oh, Dan, we just had a little break then, and Dan just decided to do something that made us both laugh. Mm. But um, no, that was that was amazing to have the chance to chat with Peter. I know a lot of people were uh, very emotional about what he. What he presented uh, yeah. at your yeah. because he's, he's, he's been seen through some things. Yeah, he's seen some things with his disaster relief. He, the, the charity that he started, we mentioned there, is you know helping the kids that are have, or that haven't mm. been orphaned as a result of these scenarios. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he's he's definitely someone well placed to talk about. Um. You know, doing good. Yeah. Uh, but By yeah, doing good. Yeah, it was a great chat, and um, yeah, if you want more information, go get his book. Well, uh, there's a few things on you Amazon. Can, you, there's a few things you could look for. So his book is "Doing Good by Doing Good." His charity that he started is called uh, Hands Across the Water, um, and yeah, he's a he's a speaker as well. So he's available for speaking gigs um, mm. and um, business consultant too. So he's got a lot of experience in leadership, mm. which was uh, which is awesome. So. He's, yeah, I guess, leadership in difficult circumstances as yeah, well, exactly. in crisis mm. circumstances. So... Yeah, it was a great chat. application. Great, great chat. Uh, Tim, do you have another thing this week? I do, Dan. Oh, you, you're never this prepared for other things. I know. I know. It's because it's been stuck in my head for like the last week. Okay, go for it. It's the new Boy and Bear album. Right, okay. It's awesome. Mm. I'm loving it. Is it good? Yeah, it's I, sick. I actually haven't listened to it, but I knew, I was aware that it, w- it was there, mm-hmm. but I haven't listened. Go check it out. It's called Suck on Light, mm. I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I just, you know, it took me like one or two listens to mm. sort of, I suppose, grasp it. Mm. But um, is it, now I just love it. Is it's it a very different to the no, I'd say previous it's in, stuff? I'd it's, say it's in line. It's in line? It's like they're, they're, they're sticking to their strengths. They have their sound? Yeah, very mm. like... Uh, Maybe a little bit more electronic at times. Well, he has a very distinctive voice. Yeah. He, oh, amazing yeah. voice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, his backstory is he has some health issues. So, they haven't released an album mm. for like four or five well, years. I, think, I don't know if we've spoken about this on the podcast before. I feel like, like maybe we have. did. Yeah. Um, but he gets the fecal matter transplant. He does. Yeah. Mm. And that's all. So, he's got a poo donor. Yeah. And comes with him on Come tour. tour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> amazing job. <If> <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't you love to be that guy though? That's what I was going to say. If you are listening, boy and bear. Yeah. I uh, I do have a lot to offer in that space. <laughs> uh, my poo is <laughs> not good for anybody. I'm I'm unwell. I'm unwell <laughs> at the moment. That's gross. Not my poo, mean, but it's been like my health in general is not great. I well, obviously I think I have we're, bad bacteria. Thanks for taking it there, Dan. Well, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's cute, but great album. Yeah. Really good, and he obviously. Has some inspiration from mm. uh, from what he's been going through with his health mm. battles over the last five years. Mm. So, I liked it. Yeah, great. I I'm, I'm, might give that a listen today. Do but it. Definitely, I will give it a listen soon. Make sure you listen to it a couple of times. Mm. So, I've actually got three oh. other things. But you want to like save them? No, because I'll be over them they, by the time. They, they, they do go out of date, <laughs> don't they? <laughs> they get out of date. So, yeah. the, the first one is... Um, Something that I've not been into that much in the past, but I've recently dove in, into mm. and quite enjoying it, and starting to understand why people get quite obsessed about it. Oh, that's Star Trek, Tim. <laughs> the, that's funny. specifically the next generation. Okay. Um, because I I did see that they're making a new series with Picard coming back called yeah. Star Trek Picard. He's the captain. Okay, the the, the bald dude, the bald dude, mm-hmm. and so I was like, oh, you know. People get obsessed about this. I wonder yeah. what it's about. And yeah. I started watching it and I get it. Like I'm not going to be going to conventions and, yeah. and learning Klingon, but um, good story? I'm enjoying it. Yeah. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Cool. So I'm about three seasons into seven seasons worth. So Wow. Mm. Smashing it. Yeah. So it's on Netflix. Nice. I'm just going through them. That's cool. Yes. Yeah, so I'm enjoying that. I've always wanted to get into it. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's mm. pretty good. Well, I've still got Battlestar Galactica to go watch. Yeah. That's well. good as well. Is that on anything? Mm, no, I right, really want to watch if it's that on stand. Why don't you check your, your app? I will. Um, so, the second thing that I want to give a shout out to is uh, I had to, as I mentioned, I've been sick. Mm. I had to book my doctor in, right? I called them and yeah. I noticed that their website had changed a little bit. Oh. And they'd got a new logo and they'd really rebranded and okay. it looked really nice. Yeah, okay. Um, and on their website is a section to book an appointment. Right. Because normally, you get a call. You call when well, you're available. because, because you get a see. call after 9 a.m. when the office opens exactly. too. And generally you might be crook well, ready by so that point. I had to wait until 9 a.m. Yeah. Because I yeah. knew that they didn't open until then. So I was like, I'll oh, just wait. And 9 o'clock, I kind yeah. of looked up their number and I noticed that you could make an appointment on yeah. their website. And I, so I could have just booked in that morning. Um, but what I really like about this is innovation in all areas. So mm. clearly they're innovating. Yeah. They're making the service better. That's good. Um, and I love it. I love it. It's interesting. Like, so there must be a bit of competition hmm. in the industry definitely. if they are trying to make things more streamlined. Yeah. Either that or they're trying to cut down on some admin, admin costs, costs or, or trying to release their admin to do a bit more help for the doctors. Yeah. It was great though. I, I really liked it. I was like, well, good good work, awesome. guys. I'm yeah. sure that's not a new thing. You know, it's obviously in many other industries. Yeah, We use it for our individual tax, but... I just thought, um, yeah, it, it's rare that yeah. you see doctors kind of... Doctors offices tend to be kind mm, of old school you know, a yeah. lot of paper files and, yeah. and things. That definitely floats my boat, Dan. Yeah. And then the the last thing that I want to mention is another podcast that I've been listening to. Oh, yeah. Uh, this podcast is called... Um, I'm just going to bring this up here. I'll bring up the name in a second. Yeah. But basically, it's, it's released by the same guys who do... Um, like the Pod Save America and those kind of podcasts, they're a, a mm-hmm. kind of political kind of um, they're on the the democratic side in the U.S. Uh-huh. of of politics, and they they talk about politics, it's, it's interesting right. to kind of keep track of what's going on over yeah, there. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, but this is called... So they're kind Amer- of progressive. Yeah, they're a progressive. Social. Social. Uh, but they're, this uh, podcast that they've released is called America Dissected and it's released by this, um, this doctor who's, who studies viruses and things. Okay. And he's talking about the US health, um, kind of their public health system over there. And But what he's just going through is all these different things, like he starts off with vaccinations and then he's Mm. he's moved on to things about like goop and like the wellness industry in the US and like all that kind of stuff. And it's so fascinating to kind of get an in-depth view about why people are going to something like these weird natural remedies that don't work and how they're being marketed and and the industries that are around them and, and shows like Dr. Oz that... Yeah. Push all these things that are just not real and have no scientific evidence behind them. Wow! And how they get away with it and, and <laughs> what they do. And the last episode was on um, pharmaceutical companies. Yeah. And in the US, I didn't know this, but so in Australia we've got Medicare, mm. and because we essentially have a single health fund, you yeah. know, there's there's the private ones, yeah. but um, it negotiates the prices. Oh wow! For a lot of so it has got a lot of negotiating. So it's power. got a lot of power. Yeah. But in the US, they don't have that. Oh wow! Um, because they don't have a public medical system. Wow. They, they have some smaller ones, but it's not for the whole country. So it might be there's a, mm. there's one for older people, there's one for veterans, and there's one for yeah. poor people. Yeah. Um, and it has in their law that it's not allowed to negotiate prices. So. What it does, um, it can't negotiate the prices with the pharmaceutical companies because apparently the pharmaceutical lobby, when this um, law was being made, um, lobbied for it to not be able to negotiate prices. And Uh, so it's in law that it can't do that. So the US, um, all the population in the US pay like 10 times more for medication than anywhere else in the world. (sighs) Even though a lot of those pharmaceutical companies are based in the US. Wow. Simply because they don't have some big entities that just have all the different insurers negotiating for themselves. And I feel hard done by being in Australia having to play four times the amount that Americans do on iTunes for things. Exactly. (laughs) That annoys me. That's worse. That's what's the bigger problem here? (laughs) Yeah, medicine or entertainment. It's entertainment. Yeah. (laughs) But I just thought how fascinating that was. I I didn't know that I'd never thought about like our public healthcare system having the negotiating Mm. power to bring prices yeah no i've never considered that i mean there's a lot of things that we still have to pay for medicine that aren't covered by medicare or or whatever yeah and that's fine yeah um because it can get too expensive but Mm. um the example they were giving was this new treatment for um hep c okay and uh, historically there was this treatment that would it wouldn't cure it. It would cure some of the like help some of the symptoms, and would take forever, yeah. and it would be very costly. Right. And to and this is a good example of value based pricing, right? Yeah. So they invented this new medicine, which was a single tablet taken once a day for like eighty days. Yeah. Right. Um, and it essentially got rid of it. Wow. Well, yeah. Right. So and so they were like, great, we've invented this medicine. It's going to help so many people, it's a cure. and it's basically a cure um, for Hep C. Um. So how do we price that? Oh. And the big argument at the moment is, well, they have to price it expensive because they've spent billions developing, developing it, it, which is a fair yeah, argument. It right? Eighty days. The yeah. From which is a fair, fair argument. It is. But when you consider the amount of people that have Hep C yeah. or contract Hep C, then it's you know it evens out. So the way I would have assumed that they were valuing this was like, All right, well, how much did we spend to develop it? Yeah. How much do we think we're going to sell? Yeah. What profit and do we make need to a make? Fair profits. Yeah. What margin do we need to be making on this, and then value it. It's not no. how to do it. I bet they related it to what the previous medicine was being charged for. Correct. <laughs> so they yeah. said, so this previous medicine cost this much mm. and it didn't cure it as well this as one this one can. This one cures it now. So, so people willing to double. pay that much for oh, that. Oh no. How much are they willing to pay for this? And they, did, um, they would go out and go, okay, well, how much um, would people get angry at? Like what level mm. will we get backlash? And they did studies on it. Wow. It's like, okay, well, people get upset with this much, people get this much. Ended up being a thousand dollars a treatment like a day, so it's eighty-three grand for this in America? In the US. How insane is that? That is so insane. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I feel fortunate to to be in Australia when I hear medical stories. Like that. It's 83 grand for this treatment of tablets. Whew. Jeez. But yeah, I just thought it was so fascinating that they're valuing this based on the previous treatments and what this one does in compared to those not with the actual cost of developing and running that treatment. Yeah. Whereas it might, you know, might have been a few billion plus mm. the tablet cost twenty cents a tablet to make. Yeah. Um and then you think, okay, well fair enough, you know, maybe mm. fifty bucks a tablet or something, yeah. you know, that yeah. but no, it's yeah, a thousand dollars. Crazy stuff. That's mm. really interesting. Mm. I'll check it out. What's it called? America Dissected. America Dissected. Mm. Okay. That's a good one. Yeah. Um Well, no, that's uh that was really interesting Dan thank mm. you and uh, I believe we can now end the show if you want to get in contact with us uh <laughs> you can shoot us an email to drunk podcast at gmail.com. you can find us on Instagram at two drunk accountants you can find us on Facebook at two drunk uh, sorry just two drunk accountants you can find us on Twitter at two drunk podcast shoot us a message give us a shout out we like hearing them responding to them uh and also, what would really help us is giving us a rating and a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to us. We know about 60% of people listen on an Apple product, product be that mm. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever. Um, so, that would really help. But if you're listening to us anywhere, give us a, give us a review and a rating. It helps other people find us. Yeah. And uh, we'll calculate, calculate it.